When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Gabby with Gib. We are doing another mailbag episode today. It's just me. Sorry, no interview today. But I did source some great listener questions on social media. So again, if you are not following us on social media, either at Gabby with Gib or me at Gibsonoma, where you can submit these questions, I'd say, you know, every month or so, I'll ask for questions to be submitted. And uh, so definitely go follow there if you'd like to be able to submit questions um, in future episodes like this. So today is obviously a Vanderpump Rules premiere day. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry, you've been living under a rock. But we are back with our favorite former servers. We're basically checking in with them a month or a month and a half after the reunion aired. You know, things were still hot, but they were they had also cooled down a little bit. And so I've seen the episode and I'm not going to say much, but I will say that like, I think it gives a really good preview as to kind of what we can expect for the rest of the season in terms of some people making some unexpected maneuvering sort of in the group. I mean, the trailer kind of indicates this, but Lala in particular is someone who starts to question, I think, the pylon that happened with Rachel and Sandoval at the reunion. She's kind of adopted this new perspective. And I think it's pretty genuine. But I also think that Lala is a pro reality star who recognizes that if it was everybody against one or two people for this entire season, that it would make for boring TV. Do I think it's genuine? Yes. But do I also think that Lala knows what's good for the show? Absolutely. And so there's a way that you meet in the middle there. And I think that's kind of the nature of reality TV in general and the people that are best at it. So I'm curious what everyone's going to think about this premiere. I am hosting a premiere party tonight. This is the last time I'll talk about it, I promise. If you're in New York, you totally come. It is at 310 Bowery in the East Village. Tickets include a free drink, three free raffle tickets. We're going to have pumptinis and goat cheese balls and trivia and giveaways we have a great crowd coming out so but we still have some tickets available so if you want to come don't be afraid to come solo bring some friends whatever it's going to be super fun and i'm also excited to share that i will be recapping vanderpump rules this season for betches so i'll be writing recaps for their website the first one will obviously come out tomorrow so definitely be on the lookout for that i'll be sharing those in my newsletter on social media all the things um and before i jump into the listener questions i did want to share a funny run-in that I had. I was in Miami with some of my friends this weekend. We had way too much fun. And one of the nights we went to the Faena. We went to this place called the Living Room at the Faena where we tried to go the first night, but one of us was wearing a t-shirt so you couldn't get in. You, I guess if you're a guy, you have to wear a collared shirt there. Um, but we came back the next night. The door lady recognized us, let us right in because we came c- correct in our collared shirts, ordered some espresso martinis, 
had a kiki, we're having a great time. And then we left after like an hour and she was like, oh my God, no, you should come back at, you know, in a couple hours, we have a burlesque show happens. We have a live, we have live music. We have a singer coming. It's going to be fun. So we went to dinner. We went to Pastis in Miami. And then we went back to the Faena where there was many more people there. And she was like, oh my God, you're back. You actually came back. And we were like, obviously. So we came in, we were hanging out, listening to the singer, enjoying the show. And then all of a sudden, again, you guys, this is like a fever dream. And I promise that there's a reason why I'm telling you this. My friend was like, oh my God, Gibson, turn around. I turn around and coming through the crowd, like a parting of the sea was Teresa Judice, Jennifer Aiden, and Alexia from Miami. They were all together. And we found out later they had been at a charity event together. They waltzed in with security into this area that we were standing right next to that was sort of roped off. And they sit down, Alexi and I make eye contact. And again, as you know, listening to this podcast, I just interviewed her for Gabbing with Gib like a week and a half ago. So she comes up to me. I'm like, oh my God, how are you? She's like, oh my God, it's so funny seeing you in Miami. We do a hug, we do a kiss. And they just filmed the reunion last week. So I was like, oh my God, how was the reunion? She was like, oh my God, there, there's still so many liars. I can't deal with it. And then before you know it, Teresa and Jennifer start walking out. So then Alexi is like, oh, I gotta go security's walking them out so and after 45 seconds they were gone i think it might have been too crowded for them i'm not really sure what happened but it literally felt like a fever dream you guys like i was just like wait did that just to to teresa and alexia and jennifer just walk in like that was and then it just felt like it didn't happen it was so bizarre like we woke we woke up the next morning we were like wait do we really were we really there like were they really there it was wild but i figured that you guys would appreciate that little tidbit from my trip to miami this past weekend okay so let's jump into listener questions the first one is from francisco farias who asked if i think the moroccan girls trip should air so not if it will air, if it should air. Obviously, this is on the heels of the news that Caroline Manzo is suing Bravo over what she claims was a sexual assault by her co-star Brandy Glanville while filming on the show. She's suing Bravo and the production company because she says they allowed it to happen. She is not suing Brandy. And Brandy has denied that a sexual assault occurred, but also places blame on the network and production because she did what they asked of her. And and she says they haven't sent her a word of support. Those are her words. So I'm going to read a little bit from... Jennifer Zahn's coverage of this news that Caroline Menzo is suing Bravo for Vulture just to get the facts. She quotes the lawsuit by saying they regularly apply the Real Housewives cast with alcohol, cause them to become severely intoxicated, and then direct, encourage, and or allow them to sexually harass other cast members because that is good for ratings. It further claims that Bravo knew of Glanville's history of sexual misconduct, yet still hired her and even encouraged her to get drunk on set so she would be, quote, more likely to commit outrageous and harassing acts. It also she goes on to point out that last October, a butler sued Bravo over claims that Glanville had sexually harassed and abused him during filming of Ultimate Girls Trip in the Berkshires. Per deadline, the suit similarly alleged that Bravo allowed, condoned, and even encouraged Glanville's conduct. Glanville took to social media in December to claim that producers encouraged cast members to drink alcohol. She added, I am completely innocent. The producers ask you to do something and then you get in trouble for it. The producers need to follow the rules. So obviously all of this is also happening in context of Bethany's reality reckoning and the claims that there are bad work conditions for reality stars, that production takes advantage of them, and that alcohol is kind of irresponsibly used overly encouraged on set all these different things that we have all heard about you know for what it's worth with this specific situation is 
you know, a lot of the other women on the show have seemingly sided with Brandy on this situation, claiming that a sexual assault did not occur and or petitioning for the show to still air. It's a really complex situation. There's a lot of mystery around it because obviously none of us have seen the footage. We're all going off of various filings and rumors and people who have reportedly heard about it. You know, I'm not really in the business of deciding whether someone is telling the truth or not when it comes to sexual assault or sexual harassment. Again, especially if we don't know much of the facts. And to me, if Caroline Manzo is taking it so far as to sue the network, who it should be said, you know, she has been in good standing with, even though she's she hasn't been on any of the shows in any official capacity in years. Like she's come to multiple Bravo cons. And, you know, so because of that, I feel like I'm inclined to believe that something untoward must have happened between her and Brandy that at the very least, clearly she was uncomfortable with. On the other hand, do I think production would ever tell somebody to force themselves on another person sexually without their permission? No, I don't believe that. So there's a lot of gray area here. I don't think it's fun or worth speculating about will we ever have the full story i'm not sure there are a lot of blurred lines with drinking alcohol and we've also seen that brandy can get carried away and cross various sorts of lines while filming i mean that's not a surprise to anybody who has seen her on beverly hills back in the day on season two of real housewives ultimate girls trip at the berkshires there were various moments where she arguably crosses different kinds of lines and i do think it's interesting that she's not being sued by Caroline. Um, The blame is being put completely on production and the network from her perspective. And and also one of the actions in question reportedly took place behind closed doors in a bathroom, not in front of the cameras with a few of the other women present. So I don't feel like any of us are really in the position to make a call either way on this. And obviously it's it's way, way, way above any of our pay grades. And with that all being said, like it does kind of feel like this season is just like a little bit too tainted to air. Like it feels like it would be too much of a liability. And you know, even if they did decide to air it, they would definitely be criticized for using an alleged sexual assault for entertainment purposes. If they tried to completely cut it out, one question would be whether that's even possible. And the other, I guess, would be like, if it wasn't acknowledged and it was cut out, then that would just be like a giant elephant in the room while watching this entire season. What did they like cut Caroline and Brandy out who apparently like leave early from the trip? And it just feels like any scenario that you go with doesn't fully work, doesn't really make sense. And obviously it sucks that Alex McCord and Gretchen's return to the housewives world would be left in the vault, but there'll be more ultimate girls trips and they would hopefully be eligible for those too. And particularly Alex, you know, her return was so highly anticipated and people were so shook that she had agreed to come from Australia all the way to Morocco, where Luann called her a water buffalo coming down the stairs after like a decade and a half away from Housewives. Like that shook people. People were so excited for that. It feels like we're being robbed of whatever kind of fun things they filmed as part of her return to this world. So obviously one you can hope that they at least find another spot for someone like her. I don't know. I just when when stuff like this happens and we hear about it in the news and we hear that someone's coming forward with their story about sexual misconduct, something that I tend to think about in these situations is sort of what the person coming forward is putting at risk by coming forward, right? So Caroline is coming forward with this story that is her alleged experience on set of this show. What she's putting at risk, I guess, is her relationship with Bravo and production and and some of the other women. And even though Caroline hasn't been on the shows, like like I said, she's had a great relationship with Bravo over the years and, and Andy. And for her to 
take this stand and share her story and sue them. And, you know, it feels like she is putting that at risk. But I don't know, the the wheels spin when you when you hear about these different things. And I've seen people online take kind of all sorts of stances on this. I don't really feel comfortable doing so. But I guess if I was a network executive, I would not air this season, I would shelve it for good. But I'm not a network executive. And I don't have the experience to make that call, nor do I want that. So I don't know, it's a really sad situation, I think for all involved. Anyway, on to lighter topics involving the housewives. Scott Porch asked me if Real Housewives of Atlanta will have casting together soon enough to release a season in 2024. Similarly, Xavier Andrews asked how I see the rest of the calendar year shaking out for housewives shows. He points out that we can expect Real Housewives of New Jersey in the spring, maybe replacing Potomac and returning to Sundays. OC and Salt Lake City seem on track for late summer and early fall, respectively. What about the others? How long do you think this long delay will impact reception of Real Housewives of Dubai? It's a loaded question. So I feel like maybe we just go through all of the franchises and sort of where they stand right now. That might be the easiest way to just like go around the horn. So Potomac, Miami, and Beverly Hills are obviously currently airing. They're all in the second halves of their seasons. Uh, Miami and Beverly Hills have filmed their reunions. Potomac has not. Married to Medicine is not Housewives, but that is also currently airing and they have filmed their reunion. So that's also coming to a close. New Jersey is definitely coming in the spring. They've been finished filming for a while. That feels like it's in the bucket. We will get that announcement in the near future. It will premiere in the spring, go into the summer. I agree with Xavier on OC and Salt Lake City. OC just started filming and Salt Lake City is jumping back into filming already next week. So they are not wasting any time on Salt Lake City. They definitely took a little bit of a pause on OC, but... A lot of that cast is coming back. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about what that, how that season is shaping up in terms of the factors going into that season. So those will be great in sort of Q3, probably. And then as for Real Housewives of New York, Andy told Us Weekly a couple weeks ago, he said, I think that there were some growth areas and I think that those will be dealt with next season. Apparently, he also said somewhere, I couldn't find where, but I saw on Twitter that he apparently said that they're, quote, casting rich right now. So they're definitely in casting mode. Obviously, it's not going to be some like huge revamp again. I bet you they either like, I mean, I, I would be, sh- again, I have said it before and I will keep saying it and I will be shocked if it do- if she does come back. But I do not think Jenna Lyons is coming back to the Real Housewives of New York City. I think that, I mean, my theory about Jenna Lyons, if you want me to go deep right now, I think that Jenna Lyons had sort of been floundering. She had that HBO Max show that ran for one season that didn't work. And she hasn't been a big presence in the fashion world over the past several years, ever since she left J. Crew. I kind of think that that agreeing to join the Roni reboot was her way of putting herself back out there to hopefully get another big gig in fashion. You know, she had all these amazing profiles as attached to the Real Housewives of New York reboot. The PR team did an amazing job of getting her some great coverage in The Cut, The New York Times, some of the biggest publications in the country. And I think that that was her goal of like getting that kind of coverage, being cool again. While I think that like one more season could do do her really well and kind of solidify her presence back in the zeitgeist, I kind of think that she wanted to be one and done and then go work at another fashion brand or get a creative director gig somewhere. Last week, my brother sent me this from Dumois. She was spotted with Mickey Drexler, who used to be this, who was the CEO of J. Crew when she was there. And he is now the CEO of Alex Mill. She had some other kind of appointments that she's gotten recently. So that's kind of my theory on that. I don't think she's coming back. 
So they at least need to add one more person. I hope they add two to three more people, to be honest. And that's assuming that everybody else comes back. So feels like that would be the next one to start filming again after OC in Salt Lake City. But again, TBD. I think Atlanta, we've heard nothing substantial in terms of reports around who's going to be asked back to Atlanta. You know, he did this interview with ET that I linked to in my newsletter this week. They brought it up and all he said was that they're in a good spot and that he'll let us know when they're ready, which feels kind of like a non-update. It does tell us that that they're thinking about it and they're in the process, but it's interesting to me that none of it has leaked. It's interesting to me that we don't have any idea of who will be returning. With Atlanta, a lot of times it's like B. Scott is reporting that kind of stuff. And we haven't seen a big update from that website in a while. Even if they started filming next week, we're not getting it until the fall, I guess. So oh, I don't know. My guess is that we don't get Real Housewives of Atlanta until 2025. I'm just going to take that that prediction. I hope that we get end of 2024. I miss some of those ladies, but it just him giving such a non-update to me isn't a great sign in terms of you know, how far along they are in casting. Um, I bet we get some sort of announcement in the spring. They start filming early summer and then we get it in 2025. That's my guess. I mean, and then Dubai is the biggest question. I mean, I'm really confused by what's going on there. They screened the premiere at BravoCon in November and we still haven't gotten a premiere date and it feels just like there's no momentum. Nobody's talking about it. The most we hear about Dubai is when random housewives go there and they all seem to hang out with Chanel Ayon. And I feel like I had this exact conversation with Sam Bush, aka Bravo Historian, when she was on my podcast back in November. So I don't know. It's just, you know, it's it's tough because there are some great stars on that cast, but it does feel like so far, at least, it's just failed to connect. I mean, like Chanel is a huge star. Caroline Stanberry does she hit as hard as she did when she was on Ladies of London? No, but she's still a star. Um, and I do still think about Lisa Milan saying to Sheree McQueen, more like McSheen at BravoCon, at least like once a week. So they have some stuff going for them. It just feels like there's no, again, there's no momentum. There's no excitement around it. And I wish that was different, but I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with like literally like getting things approved by the United Arab Emirates. We obviously know that it's a very conservative, strict country. And I'm sure the government has some parameters around the filming and stuff. So I don't know. I mean, that's just that's pure speculation. So who knows? I I'm sure we will get that. Maybe maybe that comes in the summer. Maybe that comes. I don't know. I guess like we think about it as like there might be a point this year where there's not going to be a point where there's no housewives on. So Jersey will go into summer. And then OC will probably premiere towards the end of the Jersey season, right at the end of the Jersey season. I bet you Dubai's on by then. I bet you we get Dubai late spring, early summer. And then there's also other shows on, right? I mean, Summer House premieres next month. That will go into May or even June, depending on how long this season is. Vanderpump Rules, again, premiering tonight. That will go into late spring. Obviously, there's always some sort of below deck show on. So it's not like we have nothing. I'm curious when Southern Charm will start to jump back into filming. We'll probably get another season of that by the end of the year. So it's not like we'll have no Bravo content. But, you know, we haven't heard any updates about a new Ultimate Girls trip. So there's a lot of question marks. I think it's an interesting timeline. They had, you know, Bravo took a chance by having so many housewives on at the same time you know, this past fall going into the last couple of weeks when we've had four on for a while, it's been a lot. So, you know, it it makes sense that they're trying to spread it out a little bit more, but it's going to feel a little bit sparse there for a little bit. 
Um, I'm sure they have plans. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to question their, you know, programming decisions because they've gotten it right so many times over the years, but it definitely feels like a different kind of situation that going into the spring. So TBD, I'm not worried, but I'm curious. Speaking of Sam Bush, aka Bravo historian, she asked me what my Bravo origin story is. And when I was thinking about this question, I actually wanted to jump a little bit back to before my Bravo origin story and walk you quickly through my history with cable TV. The TV is and always was on in my house growing up. First, it was like VHS movies. You know, if you're a 90s kid, you know all about that life. I mean, my favorite was Wizard of Oz, which I literally watched every single day, starting from when I was like four years old. Do you think my parents thought I was gay? I mean, really, like, what's your first clue? Then it was Nickelodeon and Disney Channel. So like Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens, all that amazing content. And then it was like MTV and VH1. So like, we watched music videos before school, literally, as we were eating breakfast, we would have music videos on. And then TRL after school, every single day, I was like, genuinely upset when Britney Spears wasn't the number one video that day. And then after this, it was like trading spaces on TLC, you know, what not to wear while you were out, that kind of golden era of the TLC shows before it got really trashy over there. And then also we had some Food Network thrown in there. We were obsessed with 30-minute meals before Rachel Ray allegedly became kind of a monster. And then that takes me into my Bravo origin story, which was really, I guess, with Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. My mom was obsessed with that show, and we also all loved it. So that was on a lot. And then, you know, we got into Project Runway, which we watched the first season of when it was on, Top Chef. And then with Real Housewives, I feel like, you know, we watched... We weren't really as much of like an OC family, but I really remember watching New York and Atlanta sort of around the time that I was entering high school. Those were definitely on around that time. That's what we were watching. I vividly remember, you know, loving Bethany and Jill's friendship. I fucking loved Nene. We were watching Jersey too. Like I remember we all were just like shook by Danielle Staub. Like I distinctly remember her just being such an enigma and people not knowing what to make of her. And then we also had an Us Weekly subscription that we got to the house every week. So I remember every Friday when a new issue of Us Weekly would come out, they were on the cover of that a lot at that, during that one kind of around 2010 era. And then also around that time, it was like NYC Prep and a lot of those short-lived sort of golden era reality shows. Rachel Zoe Project was big, My Life on the D-List, all those things. Like we watched all those shows. And then when I got to college, I was like obviously out of the comfort of my own home and I was very closeted. I was trying to assimilate more being in a fraternity at the University of Michigan and you know I didn't keep up in real time with as many of my housewives during that during that era because I was trying to like suppress any of those not suppress I was kind of trying to hide a lot of those interests of mine that weren't as like straight I guess but I was still watching I just wasn't as religious about it but it was really when I moved to New York after college that I recommitted myself to it and then I found it started to be intertwined with work and as, as I started interviewing Bravo stars I would run exclusive clips from Bravo PR I started live tweeting on the side and then obviously the rest is history <laughs> and now we have gabbing with Gib so yeah not to give too long of an answer but that's sort of my beginning days of Bravo and then also just TV in general. The next question is from Casey, who asked me, what city is right for a Real Housewives franchise? I love this question. While I do think that we do have enough franchises right now, we have nine plus Ultimate Girls Trip. As I said, like a, a franchise like Dubai, like it hasn't fully connected. And so if the second season doesn't work, I could see it not coming back for a third season and then maybe relaunching with 
and then maybe relaunching with another new one. I don't know. Again, purely speculation, but I guess they go through sort of phases where they start to announce new franchises. The big one being when Dallas and Potomac were announced right kind of back to back. Obviously, Dallas had a much different fate than Potomac did. Potomac has already double the amount of seasons. But with Dallas, they show that they aren't afraid to cancel a franchise or not cancel because I bet you Dallas would eventually come back, honestly. But they aren't afraid to say goodbye to a franchise for at least several years. Yeah, I could see that happening. And I also think that like... As we know, Bravo fans are insatiable and they're always sort of looking for that next big announcement. And, you know, at a certain point, that announcement is going to have to circle back another new city. So I don't think we're done seeing new cities. I think that we'll probably get a new one in the next couple of years, maybe. You know, in the US, the city that most immediately comes to mind is Nashville because it has its own distinct culture. You have a full industry happening there. It's, you know, it's the country music industry. There's such so an easy tie-in. So I'm sure that they could find like, at least one either country singer herself or the wife of a country star to be on the cast, which lends it some immediate legitimacy and would also give the show its unique spin and like, quote, seventh cast member. So like, you know, I think some of the housewives have that sort of extra cast member that comes from where it is. So like with Salt Lake, for example, it's Mormonism and religion. I think with Beverly Hills, it's that kind of Hollywood adjacency. I think with New York, it's the city of New York itself, things like that. So I think like with Nashville, you have country music, you have the music industry as being that sort of extra element. And honestly, you can make it mostly about that and just call it married to country a la married to medicine. I don't know. But I think Nashville could be a really awesome and compelling housewife city. And then outside the U.S., there's obviously a lot of franchises that aren't sort of like as official Bravo franchises, but... I've actually never watched any of those and um, because they aren't sort of like canon to me. But I do think that I'll try to try to watch some of those maybe this year. I've heard great things about some of the Australian ones. And I just think it's hard to watch them in America. You have to get like VPNs and stuff. But I think I'll figure that out for this year. If you have any suggestions on where to start actually for those, hit me up. Send me a DM. If we're thinking outside of the US, this brings in a question also from my friend Julie, who asked when we're getting a Ladies of London reboot. Ladies of London, to me, is truly one of the best shows Bravo's ever done. And I just loved like the uppity society vibes that Caroline Stanberry brought to that show at the time. Obviously, we have a little bit of a different Caroline Stanberry now, but I would just love a straight up Real Housewives of London because, again, I think it would have its own personality and it would be compelling. You could have some of the more like society old money types and then you could have some more people from like East London who are a little bit cooler or a little hipper, a little more like Brooklyn-y. I could see that. I don't know. So those are the two that really come to mind for me. Bravo Social's own Jenny Armstrong asked me what my essential Bravo episodes are that I would show someone. Oh my God, where do you start? I mean, I love this question because it just gives me an excuse to reminisce a little bit. Talk about the glory days. First of all, I will say I'm not a big rewatcher. I know some people love to rewatch a lot of things. I just feel like I always have so many current shows that I'm trying to keep up with. So adding something else to like re-binge feels like I'm just eating up the time that I could spend watching new shows. But I do occasionally go back and watch things. And obviously there's clips that resurface, but I don't tend to rewatch that much. But since we have Vanderpump Rules on the mind with the premiere tonight, I would definitely say, obviously, the episode in season two where Kristen Doty admits to sleeping with Jax, obviously last season's finale and the ensuing reunion. Those were obviously instant classics. And similarly, the Salt Lake City finale and part three of this reunion, those feel like sort of like an instant classic doubleheader. I would also add in from Salt Lake, the episode where Jen Shaw gets arrested. Those to me feel like the 
most classic recent episodes from the past like three years. But really, when I think of like classic Bravo, my mind immediately does go to OG Roni. I mean, and it's mostly the cast trips, right? It's Scary Island, it's Morocco, which I think is like relatively underrated in comparison. Um, St. Bart's, Mexico, where Bethany and Ramona have that like tearful heart to heart naked in the pool. And then Luann falls in the bush and Sonia chugs a pitcher of margaritas. And there's Cartagena and the boat ride from hell. So, oh wait, also, oh my God, like anything from from the Berkshires, obviously. I mean, fuck, nobody did it like original Roni, truly. We had it so good. Atlanta, honestly, anything from season one, that episode when, that might have been the premiere, when Nini and Kim get turned away from Sheree's house. Or that first reunion where Nini's in that purple dress and Kim is in that yellow satin business attire (laughs) oh my god also maybe that reunion where phaedra's found out and candy says the lies the lies the lies um married to medicine i would say the season five reunion when the cast convinces cecil and simone not to get divorced one of the most iconic things to ever happen on a reunion beverly hills dinner party from hell season one amsterdam dinner obviously And then Potomac, I'm like, maybe Karen's press conference. The trip to Paris was so good, too, where Ashley and Karen get into it in the van and Giselle tells Karen that she's ready to walk around. Oh, my God. You know, they were also invited onto that trip via the mime that Karen lost it on. If you sense a theme that my favorite moments all involve Karen, then you're right. I mean, and then even Southern Charm, like the season one finale when it cuts to Catherine having a baby. If you know, you fucking know. Honestly, I could go on, but I feel like I covered some great ground there. Okay, so now we have a couple more questions at the end that are non-Bravo related. So my friend Jordan Gibbs asked, Nikki versus Megan, who you got? Okay, so this whole thing unfolded when I was like semi-disconnected from what was going on on social media while I was in Miami this past weekend. So I wasn't fully caught up on the particulars of this whole situation and i don't think i really want to be it feels like very icky and dark but you kind of have to go with megan on this no like nikki just feels like she's playing really dirty coming after her late mom and making fun of her for getting shot like i don't know i just feel like she's lost the plot when it comes to some of this and I don't know. I fucking love Nikki's music. I love her rapping style. She's done so many iconic things. She paved the way for a lot of these female rappers, much like the women that came before her. And I actually liked a good amount of the songs on Pink Friday too. I think that a lot of people didn't, but I kind of enjoyed it. I still listen to a lot of them. And I can also honestly really love her penchant for drama and for controversy as a celebrity. Like I don't, I'm not somebody who wants my celebrities to be perfect. I like when they're messy. I like when they kind of give us some drama and make some headlines and don't shy away from that. But there's obviously a point where a line gets crossed and this absolutely feels like one of those times. And Megan's just like been put through so much. She gets treated so poorly online. And to me, she's a future legend. You know, she is in the prime of her career right now. She is, seems like such a good person to me. I love her rapping style. I love a lot of her music. and. I don't know. I just, it just feels like, you know, right when you think that she's like kind of weathered a storm, there's another thing that comes for her. And, and I just think that Nikki, like having big issues with Cardi and Megan, it's just not a good look. And I hate to see it, honestly, but team Megan on this one. And then to round out today's mailbag, my friend Laura asked me why Ashley Tisdale didn't go to Vanessa Hutchins' wedding. Okay, so this is something that I completely missed. Like, I did not get this news cycle. I don't know what happened that day. 
I was not scrolling. I was not paying attention. I have not seen anything about this. So I just did a little deep dive. And there isn't much public evidence of their friendship since like 2021, which I did not realize. So obviously, Vanessa and Ashley have been friends since High School Musical. Apparently, they met in 2005 when they were on a Sears commercial or something together. But their friendship really became a thing with High School Musical. And it feels like they are one of those friendships that like, whenever they hang out, they're going to post an Instagram because they know the fans love it. They know it's going to be a boost in engagement. They know it's going to make a headline that they hung out and they're having like a little high school musical reunion. They were definitely one of those celebrity friendships. And honestly, not even in an annoying way. Like I, they it triggered a nostalgia in me too. Again, it was one of those things where like, when they hung out, we knew about it and it was great and we all loved it. We all liked the post, whatever. Ashley, I guess, posted the photo while pregnant from 2021 with Vanessa. Also, she posted a picture of her holding her baby. But then it seems like that's sort of like where things peter out around 2021, like summer-ish. So in 2020, Vanessa and Austin Butler broke up after eight years together. And Ashley has been friends with Austin Butler since they starred as siblings in something called Aliens in the Attic in 2009. But she had known... Vanessa for at least several years before that because High School Musical came out before 2009. Vanessa was in Ashley's wedding as a bridesmaid 10 years ago. And honestly, who could forget Ashley and Vanessa's iconic YouTube duet of X's and O's from Ashley's like cover series that she did on YouTube for a couple years there? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. It's kind of amazing, kind of funny. I don't know. It's just like very that era. Very Vanessa Coachella as Coachella queen. And apparently a lot of people noticed that evidence of Ashley and Vanessa's friendship sort of started to peter out after Vanessa and Austin broke up. So it kind of seems like Ashley sort of still remained loyal to Austin and maybe that caused problems with her and Vanessa's friendship. You know, Ashley has remained friends with Austin and she has even said so in the press as recently as last year. So the whole thing is very, very curious. I would love to know about this. Maybe I'll call into Who Weekly, my favorite podcast to see if Bobby and Lindsay can drum up some more evidence of what's going on here. But yeah, I wish I had an answer for this. And it makes me very, very sad as a Disney Channel loving millennial. So if anybody has any clues here, again, DM me, slide in. That is it for this week's mailbag episode. Again, if you would like to submit questions for future mailbag episodes of Gabbing with Gabe, go follow Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram, go follow me on Instagram. Those links are in the show notes. Would love to hear from more of you with questions. If you have them for me, I will do these episodes every couple weeks. And as always, I would love it if you could leave a positive review, a five-star rating, give me some feedback, let me know what you like. And I'll be back on Friday with an episode all about the Vanderpump Rules season premiere, what it tells us about where the season is going, and more. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes and subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and keep up with all things Gabbing with Gabe at Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gabe is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest bookings, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.